This is Carl Palachuk, and you're listening to the SMB Community Podcast, produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast, and I'm joined today by Suzanne Tedrick, who is a very interesting person who I have sort of marginally connected with in the past and then found out she just released a book. So uh, welcome. The book is called Women of Color in Tech uh, and it's by Wiley Press and it's like 2020, right? Yes, yes, just released. (laughs) Absolutely brand new. So tell us a little bit about who you are and, and how you got here. Sure. And um, Carl, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm glad we're, we're talking in person. Um, so I am Suzanne Tedrick. I currently work as a uh, technical specialist for IBM. And my day-to-day uh, involves helping companies to understand how cloud computing uh, can help them specifically, whether it's creating applications that are born on the cloud or modernizing their current infrastructures. Um, In the last five years, I've transitioned from working primarily in administrative and operations roles uh, in financial services, and I've managed to create a career for myself within technology. Uh, So the book that I've written, Women of Color in Tech, um, is in large part based on my experiences transitioning into tech and uh, serving as a a guide and a resource to other women of color who are interested in pursuing a technical career, but perhaps don't know where to start, don't know where they fit, and um, don't necessarily have the information or resources to make that step. And so that's where uh, the book was born from. So uh, I have to say there's a few chapters that specifically address women of color in tech, but a lot of this is just really great information for anybody who is thinking about a career. I mean, it's, I'm super impressed with how many um, resources you mention and all of that. So how did you, how did you find all that stuff? Yeah. um, So thank you. And, and a lot of that was just from my own um, curiosity of things that I got involved with. Um, and things that you know, I was paying attention to um, in terms of like what is happening in the future of technology. So thinking a lot about uh, blockchain or um, artificial intelligence, which are you know very emerging technologies that will become mainstays uh, fairly soon. Um, so a lot of that was just from my own curiosity, things that I learned in school or through volunteer opportunities or hackathons. And um, I, I put it in there because it's, it's really important that you understand the entire landscape of what's out there and, you know, what interests you. Um, is it artificial intelligence? Is it 3D printing? Is it automation? Um, these are good things to know to help inform your decision on uh, where exactly you think you'd like to land. Right. So, um, you know, in, uh, in the CompTIA executive committees that I've worked on, we always say that, you know, technology is everywhere. Like every job is technical, right? Yes. There are technical jobs that pay $10 an hour and there are technical jobs that pay $50 an hour. And so, you know, when you say in tech, you really mean, a, you know, quote unquote, a real tech job, like a tech focused job, not necessarily 
uh, a, a, um, like a data entry job. Right. So uh, when I, when I think of tech careers, um, obviously there's some tech careers that may be a little bit more business focused. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't that technical element that's necessary. Like you still need to understand, you know, what languages are being used by software development teams, even if you yourself are not coding or, you know, understanding how to cleanse data if you're intending to be a data scientist. Um, so while you may not necessarily be in the, the weeds, so to speak, um, you do need to have an understanding and, and, and know it well throughout um, in order to have a conversation with, you know, a diversity of audiences. Right. So um, you mentioned that you transitioned into a, a more technical role. Um, so was it hard to get your foot in the door at a, like a big company? Cause IBM's a pretty big company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I often joke that like Watson made a mistake on my application. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with the AI. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's and especially hard if you don't have um, technical skill in the more traditional sense. If you didn't go to a prestigious four-year program to study computer science, it can be tricky. Um, the important thing that I try to emphasize is that um, while you may still be developing that technical skill and becoming more uh, proficient. Uh, there are things that you currently have that you can bring to the table um, that are just as important, if not more so. Um, one thing that I always keep citing to people uh, is, uh, you know, engineering type uh, professions require you to have a, you know, vast knowledge of what you're talking about. But if you can't convey that to people, if you can't convey simple concepts and ideas, it's not really going to be very, very helpful. So knowing how to communicate, know how to manage projects, being customer service oriented, um, these are things that are just as important and companies like IBM are, are looking for in their uh, professionals. So how big is the average client that you work with? You said, you know, you, you help clients figure out, you know, what's the big picture and how technology can help them. Uh, how big are these companies? Uh, they're very big, uh, multinational corporations. Um, I primarily concentrate with media and entertainment, and energy and utilities companies. Uh, so they, they usually have large infrastructures, um, usually have revenue of over $100 million a year uh, in multiple uh, offices. So definitely complex and definitely never, never dull. <laughs> so that must be good for your ego to say, you know, uh, <laughs> Just little old me is giving this advice, you know, companies <laughs> that are spending a boatload of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great for the ego. Um, well, I won't lie about that. Um, but I, I think it's, um, it's also great when they have that aha moment like, and you've helped them get to where they want to be. It's, uh, it's very rewarding to kind of see that. And when they think of you as um, someone that they trust versus, you know, like, oh, you obviously just want my money. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh, I primarily work at a much smaller uh, end of the market. But, you know, I find that the most successful engagements are not about te technology. We use technology, 
but it's really about solving a problem. You know, people come in and they, it used to be that we would sell tech and IBM's a great example. You would sell tech by saying, you need a computer, here's why, you know, da 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 da, da and you're like trying to convince them that they have a problem. I think it, today, technology is much better at saying, look, this brings opportunities, this fixes stuff, and yeah, we use computers to do it. Um, but it's really, I think today more than it's ever been, it's about the solutions more than it is about what specific technology is used. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about clients and, you know, kind of the, the things that they're going through, the challenges that they're having, um, they, they really need to know that you're not just there to just, you know, come in, do a demo, feature, 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 and, you know, sign off on this SOW. They really need to know and understand that you're really just trying to get them to their ideal end state. And, you know, it can be a, it can be a mix of different tools and services, but ultimately you are, you're trying to fix a problem, as you said. So let me switch gears and talk about the other stuff you do. So you have a blog and uh, I hope that you're out speaking to groups and uh, <laughs> trying to, to uh, talk to as many people as possible. You're actually involved in several different organizations that, you know, actually do what your book is focused on, which is helping women of color in technology. What are some of those organizations? Uh, so through IBM, I am involved with their P-TECH program, which is a ninth through 14th grade school model. Uh, kids come in and they earn their high school diploma and they have the option of continuing for another two years and getting a degree in technology or engineering. Um, and then they can either get a full-time employment or they can choose to go to a traditional four-year college. So I serve as a career mentor there for uh, juniors who are like at that point of, okay, I'm scared of graduate. What's that going to look like? <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've been there. Right. <laughs> um, so helping them kind of navigate what the future could potentially look like. Uh, I also serve as a workshop virtual, uh, uh, virtual assistant for Black Girls Code. And so Black Girls Code uh, is committed to having more women of color enter into the, the field um, by having workshops from age seven all the way through age uh, 17, 18. Um, they do workshops. They also um, do a number of different programs with universities, as well as partner with larger organizations to help get that funnel um, and, and get that best interest. And um, recently, uh, I just became involved with an organization called NPower, uh, which offers uh, programs to women of color and military veterans who are looking to transition into technical careers. Very cool. So how do you have time for work? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. And I'm sure my boss would love to know that too. Well, and you wrote a book, right? So it's yeah. Well, I, I, so I think the, for me, it's really important. And so I, from, from my personal perspective, I always try to make time for it. Um, statistics have shown that women of color are more likely to enter into fields where they see successful, thriving people that look like them and share their experiences. Um, so I always try to be visible and present 
in their lives so that they know that this is possible. This is not just for little me. This is something that if you're interested in, I can, I can do. Uh, so I always just kind of make that a priority in terms of my time. I'm also really fortunate that um, IBM and my manager specifically um, know how important community service is to me. Um, and so they always give me the means and the resources to help out wherever I can. Um, I just recently won a badge for 250 volunteer hours and they're like really happy and they're like, keep, keep it up. <laughs> it's nice to have an employer who supports that. Absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. And so, so when you go, I'm sure you go to conferences and things, um, do you see um, a, a growing number of women of color at these events? Um, so I, I see them at women of technology events, um, which, which I'm, I'm glad to see it there. I think where I would love to see it more is for more of the industry standard events that tend to happen. So uh, things around cybersecurity or um, cloud native application development. Uh, there was a conference I went to recently um, for Kubernetes and, um, you know, the, the amount of women of color that was there was a little disappointing. And it would be great if we can find ways to tap into that pipeline and into that interest so that they're more present and they're participating where they're um, panelists or speakers. Right. There's so many ways for people to get scared by technology, not, not just women of color, but everybody. I mean, people look at it and they go, oh, I don't want to learn programming, you know. I mean, I, I can tell you, so <clears throat> years ago, I, when I was an undergraduate, I loved the idea of computers, but they were super, super new and you had to learn how to program. And I'm like, eh, I, I don't want to do that. I, later, like five years later, I learned to program, <laughs> but, you know, I sort of got into technology through the back door because it I, there was that vision in my head that you had to learn to do that. Uh, and I know that you've taken programming courses, but would you say that that's still a requirement? Um, it's a requirement for my specifically only because I tend to work with enterprise development teams. And so it is important to kind of understand what their pain points are, what are the common issues that tend to come up. Now, I don't necessarily need to know enough to build a pro like an application or to do anything mission critical. And I think for all involved, that's a good thing. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I, I think it's a good thing to know, but I don't think it's something that is a hard prerequisite for many technology jobs, unless you are specifically going into that area. So is it, uh, are we to the point where it's like there's, reading, writing, uh, math, and, and computers. Like you, you need to have a certain level and just get over it. It's kind of like you got to learn to read. You got to learn to do a little programming. Um, I, get, I don't think necessarily programming specifically. I do think that most people need computer literacy. Um, and, and, and I think that's true regardless of if you come into tech or some other field, as you said, tech is everywhere. Um, and it's just, it's just unavoidable. So um, general computer literacy, understanding how computers, how they talk to one another, 
Um, I think those are very important. I don't think coding though is like hard and fast. You have to do it. That's good for me. <laughs> so oh, it's funny because I, uh, in grad school, I learned a lot about databases because of just the nature of what I was studying in grad school. But I, then that database uh, understanding helped me to learn how to manage programmers, even though you would never pay me to, to code anything. But it helped me to manage. And then again, it's sort of that along those those lines, uh, it evolved from there. Um, so, you know, anything you do that's related to what you want to do is a step in the right direction. Exactly. I think that's the important thing, like where, where it is you're, you're planning on landing. Those, those are the skills that you, that you should focus on. So if you're someone that is interested in data science, like understanding R, understanding um, how databases work, um, those, those are important things for you to know versus I Python. Right. So um, in your book, you talk about everything from jobs at really big companies to really small companies to being self-employed. Um, would you say that uh, girls should uh, look at a different, I guess, set of, of uh, classes in college, depending on which of those they're thinking about? Yeah, I, I definitely believe that um, whether it's formal education or informal education, uh, you definitely want to make sure that the classes that you're taking are kind of relevant to the path that you're going towards. Um, I'm always for, you know, taking classes for just personal enrichment. Um, but, you know, you want to concentrate on the things that are going to be most impactful um, for your career. So if you're, let's say, thinking about starting your own startup, uh, it would probably be beneficial to take a class in entrepreneurism and, you know, business and finance specific courses because you're going to be concentrating more on that than perhaps product, um, you know, as you're starting up. Right. So, um, you know, we are recording this uh, at the beginning of what is going to be a recession. <laughs> so it's not technically a recession yet, but, you know, give it a minute. Um, so uh, I only mention that because I know that I think you and I are of one mind about formal education. There, you, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. Just go to a trade school. And it's like, ah, uh, maybe. But if you get a four-year degree, uh, when there's a recession, when times are slow, when they're laying people off, you'll be one of the last people to be laid off and one of the first people to be hired back. And uh uh, it's just, I think it's super important that, you know, anybody uh, not get sidetracked away from that, even even in a recession. Yeah, I, I think um, when it comes to, like, making the decision of pursuing formal education or not to pursue it, um, I always talk to the individual and, and talk it through about what their long-term goals are, their plans, and whether or not that fits in. I'm very candid that most technical jobs do require a four-year degree. There are some uh, tech jobs that perhaps, you know, it's more your portfolio or your personal experience that make up for having that formal education. Um, but I still see it as a requirement for very many uh, technical occupations. Uh, so that I, I say this to people just to keep that in mind. It's like, 
yes, college is expensive. It, yes, it's a lot of things. <laughs> but um, I do think that there are some intangible benefits that come to college. I think what you mentioned is also important um, in terms of like long-term longevity um, in the market. But um, in, in terms of network building, um, it, you know, when you build those networks within college or formal education, they tend to transcend your career and they can prove to be very valuable in the long term. So it, right. it is something to consider. You know, it's interesting. So uh, probably whatever, last year, six months ago, uh, I would sit on panels and one of the questions would always be, you know, oh, how do I find good texts? Because they're so hard to find and they're so expensive and all that. And I just imagine in another month or two, <laughs> that question <laughs> won't be asked anymore. It'll be, you know, oh, all these people wanted me to pay them so much money, but, you know, I'm flooded with resumes and I don't... <laughs> pay $80,000 anymore. So, you know, in, in the days when you can't find a resume, then you pay more money. But in the days when you're inundated with thousands of resumes, one of the easy factors is, do they have this degree? Do they have that certificate? Do they know these languages? And if the answer is no, uh, whether it's fair or not, they get eliminated pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, and, and taking that a step further, sometimes it's not even a, a hiring manager that's doing it. Sometimes it's an applicant tracking system that just oh, yeah. literally yeah. just like, you're never gonna see the, you know, the light of human eyes yeah. at that point. Yeah. So no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I get that it can be incredibly depressing to be looking for a job, but hey, the, the AI doesn't know who you are. <laughs> they don't care. Like, yeah, sadly. Hearing sadly. is more programmed into it, so. <laughs> um, so on a different note, uh, what, what are your favorite technologies that you work with at IBM? Since you get to uh, play so, toys, you know? <laughs> um, I definitely get to pay, play a lot with artificial intelligence. Um, so I, I have been deepening my understanding of uh, machine learning and neural networks. So that's been really cool to kind of experiment on my own and, and, and kind of see like, you know, what I can build and what I can do. Um, obviously, I spend a lot of time in cloud. So talking a lot about, um, you know, kind of the, the advances in computer networking and edge um, uh, computing, um, which is also pretty awesome. Um, so those are the, the two that I concentrate primarily on. Um, and there's no shortage of uh, things to learn. <laughs> Either or. Are you on a team of people who do very similar things? Yeah. So uh, the way how my team is comprised, there, there are people like myself who are technical specialists and we like know the product and the technology inside and out um, you know, and talk about it on very specific levels. Uh, and then we have uh, what we refer to as architects. And so they have a high level understanding of the solution, but they're also thinking more about business requirements, where this client is trying to go, and how do we kind of create a solution that's going to make sense for the, um, the use case that's in front of us. So um, you've been trapped, like everybody else, for a few <laughs> months in your apartment. Um, so clearly you're working remote now. Do you always work remote, or has that been just because of this uh, recent situation? Yeah, so for a, a sales engineer, and, and I can only speak to being a sales engineer at IBM, um, I traveled quite a bit. I think last year I had 17 trips. 
Um, and go to the clients and say, right. Here's what we can go to do. clients, right. Go to clients directly and, uh, traveling to trade shows, you know, speaking at those, you know, type of speaking engagements. Um, obviously, um, there isn't a hard requirement to be in an office because the, the mindset is we want you to be out there with the clients, understanding what they're doing and being in their environment. So, um, being at home isn't really um, too much of a stretch, um, but it's the first time that it's like, oh, I can't go anywhere. Right, <laughs> That's right. the problem. <laughs> well, and then you get these, uh, I, I call them taunting notes from the airlines that say, oh, you didn't have any miles last month. I'm like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks for that. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing that in. So, um, very cool. Well, I hope you get on the road very quickly here uh, and and start getting back to the whatever the new normal is. So, um, absolutely. What kinds of things would you like to see? You know, happen in our technology communities to uh, you know basically what can we do to open up uh, for women of color? Yeah, I, I I think about this a lot. I mean, there's you know the book is kind of catered to women of color specifically on the things that they can do. But when I think about workplaces and managers, I, I think what's important is that they really understand that diversity and inclusion isn't a, a feel good thing. It's something that is crucial for business and, and for the world. Um, and so when you start looking at it more as a business imperative, um, your products and solutions improve and your touch points with clients improve dramatically. Um, I keep citing the uh, McKinsey study from 2018 that basically showed companies that really invested in diversity and inclusion saw their financial bottom line improve versus the ones don't. And I'm like, I don't know how much else you can articulate that. I'm like, it's, it's not a touchy feel good thing. It's, it's a business thing. Right. Um, and so I, I would love to kind of see a, a businesses treat that a little bit more as an imperative versus a nice to have. I do think that many are getting it, um, but perhaps not at the pace that I would necessarily right. like. <laughs> it is interesting because, uh, you know, for the committees that I sit on at CompTIA, obviously that's one of our favorite studies because it's just, it's literally clear as a bell, more diversity equals more ideas, more brain DNA getting mixed in there and you come up with more interesting stuff, period. And you make more money. <laughs> so, right. uh, <laughs> like, okay. so, but you know, it's, it's hard sometimes when you go in, like when I go into a room and it's all men, uh, it's like, you know, what am I supposed to do? Right. And it's, it's hard uh, from both cases because you have to be open to it, but you also have to figure out, all right, where do we create opportunities? And uh, you know, we, we need to work on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I also think that it's a matter of, you know, kind of checking your, yourself a little bit in terms of um, implicit and explicit biases that sometimes may be widely held um, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, well, unless you have this degree from this school, like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. And I 
think that's so limiting because there's so much talent out there. I mean, with the historically black colleges and universities, um, you know, from other programs that are dedicated to, to women and, and women's colleges. I mean, there's phenomenal talent there and just thinking outside the box and, and, and making the effort, I think is really, really important. Very good. Well, sadly, we're just about out of time, but what's the base, best place for people to get your book? Uh, so the best place to my book uh, would be wiley.com. Uh, you can just type in my name and it will uh, pop right up. Very cool. And we'll put uh, a link to that down below. And I wish you great luck with that. And uh, with luck, we'll rope you back into the CompTIA community. You've won an award or two there. And uh, oh, and I, I don't know if I mentioned your book. I've, I put my eyes on your book because you won an award at the uh, Nonfiction Authors Association. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm beyond thrilled. <laughs> All righty. And we'll also link to whatever um, uh, websites and resources you want to send me. Will do. It's been a pleasure, Carl. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.